0: This is Atkins and this is Adam. We're welcoming you to another episode of the AMP, the almighty podcast in which we're covering all things My Hero Academia. Currently, we're covering Vigilantes in the absence of the anime because for this podcast, we are anime current only. We're not reading ahead in the manga. That gives us something to look forward to, but we do have to fill the gaps between seasons. And here we are. Vigilantes has been keeping us real good company.
1: Yeah, no joke. And it's it's really like, Heated up over these last couple of chapters. And it's really neat, too, because we are currently recording episode 96 of the AMP and we're reading chapters like 100 and 101 of Vigilantes. It's incredible how close that lines up, really, for us. Uh, so it's, I imagine that in a series like this, it's always super exciting when you hit that episode 100 or that chapter 100. Like that's a big number that people really latch onto.
0: It is. We, as the AMP, are drawing close to our own 100, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think we're actually soon to hit our three-year anniversary.
0: We are. I've got it marked on my calendar. I marked it in such a way that when I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Why in the world do I have that written on my calendar?" <laughs> um, and I think you had to take a guess at why I wrote AMP three on March thirtieth, but that would be our three-year anniversary. Man, that's exciting. That's really exciting.
1: Well, and to be completely clear and honest with everyone, this is the second time we're sitting down to talk about these chapters because my uh, audio interface crapped out in the middle or the beginning of our last episode uh, that we tried to record and it was just me snapping and crackling and popping the whole time and we decided we didn't want our audience to have to hear that so here we are again
0: yeah adam's being generous i heard it from the get go and i had in my mind i'd convinced myself that if it was a real issue he would be adam would be hearing it too in his headphones and that it was just something in the transmission on skype or whatever cuz there have been times in the past where Adam's audio will be really choppy, but we aren't recording in the same room and we record locally. So if I keep my mouth shut, he can finish the sentence and I can take a really good guess at where he's ending things off and we can just keep going without missing a beat. So I let the popping go free and then I sat down to edit and it was not usable, at least not a product <laughs> that we wanted to put out. Um, we could have. In fact, the the option was considered, uh, but, but quickly shot down. We want to put out uh, as quality a product as we can. And that sometimes means we got to record this episode twice. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, this is only the second time that we've ever had to re-record a podcast. So technically we're on AMP 98. That brings us a couple weeks closer to our hundredth episode. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. That's
1: a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. I didn't even think of it that way. Uh, it's amazing to think that we have hundreds of hours of us talking about anime out there. It's, re- it's really cool actually, in my opinion.
0: I'm not surprised that we have created that much content. I'm surprised that anybody but us listens.
1: <laughs> well, we've got a great little community, too, though. I mean, well, you guys hear us say it every single episode. Our Discord is awesome. Our Twitter folks are awesome. Like, we have met so many great people through these podcasts. It's it's awesome. It's one of the biggest reasons we keep doing it, right? I mean, we've we've got so many cool friends now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we Adam and I have always said that if nobody listened we would still do it just because we find this entertaining. Obviously we wouldn't re-record episodes if nobody was listening. Um but that that community element is a big a big motivator for us as well. You know, we would feel like in the absence of that community, now that we've ha- have experienced it anyway, in the absence of that community cont- to continue doing this would feel somehow more hollow. Yeah. Or or hollow at all because what we're doing right now doesn't even feel a little bit hollow. It's fulfilling and fun. So Uh, As long as it's those two things, we'll do this uh, until we're covering Socks and Ties and My Hero and all of its offshoots come to an end and we have to retire the AMP and focus on something else, dream up something else, focus on another anime, go back to One Piece, um, which was (laughs) uh, one of our (laughs) other pilot episode ideas.
1: I saw recently, I think they just released like chapter 1096 and I was like, holy cow. That's, I mean, we're excited that Vigilante's at chapter 100. Can you imagine chapter 1000?
0: Yeah, but... The, f- the flip side of that is if we had done one piece, we would not even have jokes about socks and ties. That's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> we, we would we never
0: run out of content for yeah. one piece.
1: I got to tell you, we always joke about socks and ties, but recently have been getting into the figurine, uh, like statues and stuff. And yeah. today we were at the mall and I saw the most badass Bakugo statue. The thing had to have been like a foot tall. It was huge and it was epic. I was like, I almost kind of want this. Like, it was really neat. Uh, They also had a Bardock one from the same company, and I almost got that one, but I was like, I can't justify 80 bucks for a statue right now. So, uh, but yeah, they were really cool. I was like, man, they've come a long way since I was a kid and they were making figurines, you know?
0: Yeah, see, when I was a kid, I used to just get action figures and smash them together, you know? Right, right. But now it's like if somebody sends me one or I see one of a character that I like, I pose it and I put it down somewhere where I walk by it and can admire it, or just not, like I'll have it in the, my back room somewhere as a piece of decoration, and that's where it stays until I move. yep,
1: absolutely. I've got the same thing, like my wall is decorated with
0: stuff like that now, so or we've we've built them uh recently. you and I have both done yeah. models um which have been I like those I mean i'm not I'm not super big model man. So like, I don't want to necessarily have to break out tweezers and glue and all that kind of or stuff, like paint. but
1: I don't want to have to paint them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not painting. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's just not my, I'm glad that there are people out there who love that. And it is kind of fascinating to watch their progress, like on a Twitter feed or something. Um, but that is not something I'm going to get into. I want to sit down to a model that's going to take me, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. And then I have a completed thing that I can be like, okay, on to the next one. And yeah, you know, same here. Same here. That's how I, that's, I'm, it's it's instant gratification, man. I have no patience.
1: Nope, me either. I see those people out there that are painting with like the paintbrushes that have one little I don't, right. hair. I, I guess, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, But that, I'm like, wow, I could never. <laughs> I do not have the patience. It would look horrible.
0: I tried miniature painting at uh, a convention, maybe a Dragon Con a few years ago. And like I was, I sat down with somebody who was into miniature painting and they sit down and they're all, you know, getting into it and they really detailed after like 10 minutes, I was just like, I'm just going to just wash it. I'm just going to wash it gray. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll circle back around to it later. And I never did. You, your paintings
1: would, uh, or your models would fit really well into the like villain Gundam universe. I feel like in Gundam, all of the villains have like just base gray colors, you know?
0: Yeah. I think for something, a lot of times as my type a personality uh, makes those fine details annoying when I can't do them. Or if you they're know? not a
1: sticker, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the same reason, like, I know you're playing uh, Legends Arceus right now too, aren't yes. you? Yes, yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I, I did finally cross that first bridge. Um, so I'm not, like, in the first area where all the, like, weasels and, uh, I don't even, I'm Bidoof's. not a Pokemon dude. Yeah, yeah, th- where the Bidoof's are. There's a bridge that, like, is past that. I finally got over there. Um, because I had 100% of the, I mean, 100%, not level 10 folks, 100%, every Pokemon on that, on the first side of the bridge, all of them. Um, And then I go across and I'm having so much fun seeing all these new Pokemon and catching them. And then I had this realization. I was like, God, it took me like, I don't know, six or eight hours just to get here. Yeah. And now I've caught 10 times as many different species of Pokemon. So, I mean, this game is, it's going to make, every cent is going to be worth it as, as far as like, Time spent just chilling in that game it's so relaxing to play i
1: really hope that they release some dlc for this game it would be so cool for them to have like a bit of an expansion
0: i would be shocked if they didn't yeah but would i would like say they would have to yeah and i would i would think too that I, I did not grow up playing pokemon i like watching people open cards um and playing on like uh pt cgo but um I saw some people play an Arceus and picked it up. I f- feel like I don't really know like all the typings and stuff. It doesn't matter. This is a great entry level game. It holds your freaking hand if you're new to the series. And if they continue to make Pokemon, I know that the mechanics have apparently been a little polarizing, but if they continue to make Pokemon games like this, I will buy them all.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hope that the next game is like this one. It's it plays like just a blast. It's all, what I've always envisioned a Pokemon game should play like.
0: Yeah Well, Adam, now that we've, you know, we, we started this off before we recorded, groaning about how <laughs> awkward it is that we have to re-record something, we just spent nine minutes talking about stuff that we didn't talk about last time. That's true. So uh, let's get into the stuff that we have covered.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, like I mentioned, we are going to be covering chapters 100 and 101. And in a traditional AMP format, the one hundredth chapter picks up answering some things that I think I was questioning at the end of our last episode. You know, I had asked, like, Six is on top of this building, he's communicating somehow with all of these what we now know are anonymous villains. And I was like, How is he doing this? He doesn't appear to have radio, he he's not got like any TVs that he's watching, but he seems to know everything that's happening in like a six block radius of some kind. And we find out that it turns out that these anonymous villains have these like EMP stuff built into them uh, that actually allows him to communicate with them and also allows them to, you know, do the EMPs that are actually blocking all of the electricity and all of the communications and the whole nine yards.
0: Right. And that was something that I speculated about. Just briefly, I kind of hand waved it about did six do one giant EMP or did all of these guys do EMPs? Um, But I do think that it ties back to something else that I had mentioned, which was that these guys and their facial features, apart from Six's scar, obviously, um, I thought that they looked kind of like the Nomu that Six sent after the uh, Tokyo Sky Egg. And there were Nomus that uh, did – there was one that did an EMP there. Um, And then there was also these uh, bomber ones. And Mm -hmm. we see that in these two. So it's kind of like those – they took those two concepts and smashed them together
1: yeah with the the picture we're treated to reminds me a whole lot of abe sapien from
0: hellboy yeah it does and it it, the the their bodies underneath the clothing that they're wearing they're wearing like trench coats and in uh in fedoras or like floppy detective looking hats like dick tracy hats i don't what's the name for that are you a hat guy do you know what that is
1: is it like a stiletto is that what they call those
0: I have no idea. Yeah, I'm that sounds a like person. a shoe to me. But like no, I said, totally I don't does. know anything about <laughs> Haps. Um, but their cl- their actual skin uh, does reflect also not just Six's scar, but also the it kind of is indicative or uh, based upon Six's o'clock homage costume, which I thought was an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they're uh, it almost looks like they're wearing a latex suit, but it's not. It's just their exterior. Um,
0: Oh man, I hate that you said it that way, because now like page one on the chapter 100 is just full on full frontal anonymous man. It is man. Question mark. I don't know. Sure
1: thing. Yeah. It uh, it's interesting, too, because they the bottom panel on this first page has got like a crowd of folks and one or two of them at maybe three or four of them are highlighted as being these anonymous villains. And it says, you know, these Anans can blend into a crowd and disrupt the physical and emotional connections between people. And it made me wonder if, you know, they're talking about how they have these EMP organs. I wonder if they're emitting some pheromones or some kind of high-pitched frequency that we can't hear but, like, just disturbs humans. Because the way they make it sound is as if they are emitting something that's causing these individuals to just feel uncomfortable. And I know that's a real thing. Like, certain pheromones can throw people off or even just a certain frequency of, of vibrations can, like, put people into bad moods and stuff. So maybe that's what this is.
0: They're playing the brown note, of course.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> the brown
0: note.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> they shut down the streets, and now they're about to clog up the sewers. Oh, man. Uh, right after this, that uh, panel, we have a really cool two-page spread, full color, also. Episode 100, starting off with a bang, uh, that has a Hata war. A title across it that features Koichi and Aizawa and Ingenium, Edshot, uh, Best Genist uh, and it is awesome. It would make for a fantastic desktop background, if only if it weren't for the actual like chapter information. I'm i just cool with the Naruhata War part. I think that that's part of the coolness of the aesthetic, but I don't know that I want to throw this up on my desktop when it says uh, My Hero Vigilante's Episode 100 Anonymous, blah, blah, blah.
1: They kind of used uh, one of Koichi's shooting go blams in this in the middle of the page. It looks really cool. Yeah, it is. Oh gosh. He's he's grown up so much. He has. And I was trying to think, I feel like two years have gone by since we started reading this. Not in our time, but in that world. And it's really cool to have seen how much he has learned. Like I would say he's about on par with how much Deku in that class has learned in the main series in about two years.
0: Well, and it's interesting too that it feels like um that they're they're showcasing a lot of his improvements in the last couple of chapters and uh, even into these two chapters, uh, and that makes some sense because I'm pretty sure this Hada War arc is still ongoing where the manga where the manga is currently, which s- most people think that this is the end, like the end of the Naruto War is going to be the also the end of Vigilantes. So it's kind of like telling you it shows you more than it tells. Thank God I'll cover some of that a little bit later on too, but. Um, it is showing and telling like, hey, Koichi, this is this is him at his prime. Like he's he's leveled up and it's time. You know, this something's big coming. So we're going to show you all these cool new things that he can do, some of which we hadn't even really seen. Um, and some of which even surprised Koichi. Like he's developing, growing right before our eyes in one of these later chapters.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, well, to continue into this, after we see this kind of like Anon breakdown, we, we're treated to Six and his projection of o'clock up on top of the uh, the buildings here and they're looking down and they're they're kind of reiterating like the real key is stopping the spread of information that's what the emp and blocking off all of the cell phone towers and everything was for but the biggest reason that they're doing that is to keep all might from knowing about what's going on if all might shows up the plan is gone to hell and they're not going to be able to do whatever they need and that's why they've kind of broken everything down but i had a thought you know If they're like right at the edge of this EMP, who's to stop them from walking a block down the road and grabbing a cell phone or or vice versa? Like, let's really hope that nobody was wanting to walk into Naruhata tonight, you know, and and they're like, oh, wow, everything's dead. Maybe we should tell somebody.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some sort of boundary to the uh, range of even all of the uh, additive EMPs Uh, And so like, what's on the other side of that? I mean, if, if I'm in building a, in an apartment complex, I get blacked out because the EMP, and you're in B and your lights are still on, you know, like, it seems like the thing to do would be go towards the light. That's very natural human thing to do anyway. Even the bugs got that much down. So like I get these folks in the center are they're in, they're in much more trouble than the folks who would be on the periphery. And, you know, like you said, somebody, they, they've blocked off where cars could You know, couldn't cross into this area already. We've covered that. Uh, But yeah, just figuring out a way to cross whatever that boundary line there's because the visual would be lights go to where the light is. If your lights are out, find the closest light. Um, And it is dark, like it's nighttime when this is going on.
1: And I think it would be to me at least a little bit more believable if Naruhata was more like Gotham in the Dark Knight movies where it's almost kind of like its own little island. And so, you know, you blow the bridges. Nobody's getting in. Right. But in right. this case, like it's connected to other parts of the city that six is not focused on. So I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a gap here, but it's neither here nor there.
0: Did you notice the uh, giraffe in that bottom panel? <laughs> oh yeah. As well, this there's just, like the silhouette of a giraffe, man. What I, a terrible quirk.
1: I was thinking to myself too. Like in the next panel, there's a Koichi is up on top of the police station, like talking to the civilians around, and there are three or four folks in that panel that appear to also be animals, like a horse and and someone that kind of looks like piglet from behind. It so, does like, look like Piglet. Folks in Naruhata just have those quirks. It seems to be kind of relevant. We've seen a train guy. There's literally the... Uh, he's not a Hada brother, I don't think, but he's the uh, one Kame-yan. of the... Kameon? Yeah, Kame-yan. Like There are a lot of folks in Naruhata that have these animal quirks.
0: Well, I would think just from like an artist perspective, if you want diversity in a crowd of people without having to really just crank out creativity on how could we make this person look any you know different than any other person you just be like you know you point at an animal and go make him look like that you know? yeah
1: that's a good point yeah that's true
0: we we catch up with uh what's going on all these heroes are responding in their different ways koichi's trying to corral people into buildings um ed shot in maybe my favorite panel in these two chapters um is shown being flown like a kite by best genist uh as he is getting some aerial surveillance on that is a genius application of both of their quirks, really. But it's, it's adorable that that's a thing that they represented uh, in, in the actual panel, like in a picture. It's amazing. It makes me Maybe wonder... Maybe my if, favorite combo move.
1: It makes me wonder if they had a good name for the combo move. And in fact, I think the first time around we recorded this, you challenged our Twitter followers or in the folks in the Discord come up with a name for this combo move of Best Genius Ed Shot. And uh, I came up with one of my own. I got to throw it out there to see what people think. I'm going to call this one Crouching Genist Flying Edshot.
0: Okay, yeah. I thought that was pretty good. But if you are listening, uh, hit us up on Twitter, jump in the Discord, let us know if you've got a creative uh, name for this particular combo as well. Um, They end up, uh, Ingenium, Best Genist, and Edshot end up kind of crouching over a, a map of naruhata and they've kind of plotted out how far they think that the the lights are out. They're talking about the roads being cut off, and they're starting to plan and figure out what what do we do? um You know, what's the best thing to do? And so, best genus is like, I'm gonna go outside and make sure that uh people are being safe. We'll, we'll, I'll make you know, contacting the outside world is is Ingenium's thing. He runs fast. Let him run in any direction until he gets outside of the the range of the EMP. I'll work on citizens and Edshot initially volunteers to find uh, detective sukauchi but they're interrupted
1: yeah koichi comes in and he's standing there with aizawa and he, he thanks them he's like hey guys thank you so much for being here and being heroes like take care of naruhata this is my home i really appreciate everything you guys are doing and then he's like all right well i'm out so uh good luck with everything uh, of course aizawa doesn't let him get away that easily we see his little like neck scarf come out and grab him and wrap him back up uh, but I thought this was really nice of Koichi. Like, he is really appreciative of the fact that these heroes are here and they're doing their job. So, like, he's getting to see, again, firsthand pro heroes doing what it takes to to be a pro hero as someone that's always kind of been on the sidelines. I think you can really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And it's his his town. I mean, he he explains it. They're they're wondering what what is wrong with you? You're like a villain on the loose. Why would you walk into a den of uh, pro heroes? And he just says, you're working hard for this town. The least I could do is say thanks. And so Aizawa kind of nudges Edshot out of his duty and says, you know what? I'll, I'll hook up with the detective. I'll take Koichi with me and put him into actual police custody. Uh, and so Koichi, in the, in the next page, the two of them, Aizawa and Koichi, are kind of bebopping through the city towards the hospital uh, where Sukouchi is. Uh, and Koichi's trying to thank Eraserhead. And Eraser just shuts him down. He's just like, uh, villains in custody shouldn't yacht so much.
1: We continue to to see them like kind of flying through the air, and it was really funny because there's a moment where Koichi's like, "Ah, oh, so I'm really under arrest," and he says, "Of course, try to run, and I'll break your legs." Which I can totally hear Iizawa saying, but not following through on. I don't know. Maybe if he is aware of, like, uh, oh gosh, I I never name her correctly, but the nurse that can like kissy face Koichi and heal recovery him. Girl. recovery girl. Yeah, he may just break his legs and be like, "We'll get you fixed later, bud."
0: I, oh man, I think. Recovery girl would be furious if she found <laughs> out that the reason Koichi's legs were broken was because Aizawa knew that she could fix them, but he wanted to teach him a point anyway. Yeah, I think you're that right. she would feel like she was being exploited a bit.
1: <laughs> but I could totally see Aizawa doing it for sure. Uh, or
0: this could just be a classic, like Aizawa, I'll expel you move, where he's just trying to be threatening for the motivation of that threat's sake. Yeah, that's a good point and just letting it be that
1: well as they're flying through the air they actually hear two civilians say that they're in trouble they're reaching out saying hey please help us please help us and and they they don't really have time to stop at the moment but if it's someone's life at stake then it's totally worth checking out they they are heroes after all right so they go to stop and and talk to these civilians and we actually get a few panels of uh ingenium and ed shot and best genus talking to other civilians and and ed shot and ingenium both hear people screaming for help as well so they're stopping to try and figure out like what's going on while six is saying hey look like the heroes never feel or, while six is saying yeah hey look the the heroes never fail to impress they're always doing their jobs you can't help but admire them but For this to work, I'm going to need those pests to buzz off, and we get the little music note that we've seen before, and this is where the projection of O'Clock says, all right, phase four of the operation begins, and uh, Six says he's on it, and then we are treated to this scene of these civilians that were begging for help are actually no or these anonymous villains, and they are ready to explode.
0: Yeah, I mean, phase four is basically explode the good guys, and... All of them are in very close proximity to these, uh, these anonymous creatures, and Koichi is actually closer to them than Aizawa is. So as they begin to glow and are giving off strange vibes at minimum, Aizawa reacts really quickly and snatches Koichi out of the way using his, uh, his scarf. Uh, but you also have this really cool full page spread of, of six who's silhouetted with his scar all glowy and he's got this giant smile on his face and you're seeing these explosions elsewhere, including like one that has best genus to buy the hand, like best genus has offered his hand to help pick him up from the ground, say, um, and you even see in one of the explosions where Ingenium's helmet is blown off.
1: Yeah. It makes me wonder if Ingenium has any permanent damage from this encounter and, uh, you know, it's something I, I think you had brought up in the episode that we recorded that went bad. But this is a huge event, like it's named in everything. It's pretty wild that it's not been mentioned in the main series at all.
0: Yeah, I forgot that I complained about that until just now. It is, it is strange. Like if this is as big as it's as it's being presented to be, it's wild that we haven't even heard mention of the Naruhata War in anything like My Hero Proper. Uh, There's some like you know, timeline issues, you know, where Vigilantes was being written after a lot of what we know to be My Hero, but there were still opportunities for them to have snuck some of this material, just a mention of it. um, The closest that we really get is the presence of Shirakumo uh, in My Hero proper, so far at least. There's still time, of course, for this kind of thing to come up and uh, be woven more directly into My Hero's narrative somehow. If they don't, it's not like end of the world, but as big as this event has become, and given those folks who are involved with it behind the scenes, specifically All for One, you would think that this would be something that uh, was kind of well-known. Like, did you, you, did you see the new Ghostbusters by, by chance? I, I haven't, no. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything like about the movie, but there's this weird conceit in it that somehow in the 30-whatever years, 40 years since uh, the original Events of the first Ghostbusters since it took place that the world had forgotten about it entirely. Where like this young child has to like get on YouTube to figure out what a Ghostbuster is, um, and I was like, "What? That is a apocalyptic scale event. How have people forgotten about <laughs> yeah. it? That's history book material." Um, and somebody's like, "What Ghostbusters? What ghosts in in New York? What?" And I was like, What? No, this is the laziest premise in that movie. That is the movie itself is fine." Yeah. Um, but yeah, just when I was watching, I was like, huh? <laughs> like, you're telling me one person in this entire movie knew what the Ghostbusters were uh, and everybody else had to like Google it? That's, that seems, that seems pretty
1: wild. Yeah. I mean, that would be like everyone around here forgetting World War II or something, you know,
0: and being like, wait, what happened? Yeah. I- the, only, the only thing I could think that maybe makes that make any kind of sense is like, if I asked kids today. You know, have you seen, do you know what the Ghostbusters are? Not everybody w- might say yes. I mean, That's it is an older movie, I- I- barring exposure to, you know, the franchise's two most recent reboots and, sure, you know, whatever.
1: Sure. And, you know, I, I almost wonder if maybe in this next season where vigilantes and the Metal Liberation Front, if if all of these individuals that do feel like they have the right to just use their quirk however, whenever they want. If some of this will be mentioned again, just because vigilanteism was such a, a thing during this time period, it kind of correlates back to what is happening in the, what I believe will be the next season of My Hero. But, I mean, who knows? It may never be mentioned again, and it, I would be okay with that. This series does such a good job on its own that it doesn't really need My Hero proper to prop it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, what if it was just as simple as Aizawa thinking to himself... Deku really reminds me, and then he would have probably had to do this a little earlier than, it, than things are now, but if, if he had just thought something like, man, this Midoriya kid really reminds me of Koichi. And I don't even you know? think
1: it has to be Aizawa. What if it was like Suko Just mentioning, like, oh, do you remember the time we worked together at Nairohata? Like, it could be as simple as that.
0: And I would be like,
1: oh, my God, you know.
0: (laughs) Right. Hey, hey, we know. uh, What's that uh, Captain America line? I get that reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I get that reference. Yeah, something like that.
0: Well, let's get back into the the events of Chapter 100. Koichi gets snatched away from uh, their particular group of Anons. And uh, they're rushing back in. There's a swarm of them. They keep coming out everywhere. It's like everywhere they turn, more of these guys are, are creeping out of alleys. Uh, Koichi tries to use Go Blame to blow a couple of them up at a distance, but it doesn't seem to be working. So Aizawa steps in and glares at them, which we know his quirk is that he can uh, suppress the quirk of others. And I'd, I'm sure that it's been depicted this way in previous chapters. And I know it's been done even in the anime. But for some reason, this one panel kind of i was just like all right come on the whole the whole reason that aizawa gave for wearing goggles was so that people couldn't see his eyes so that you couldn't tell which villain he was looking at but in the sometimes uh, i'm sure that it's happened in other panels like i said but in this panel for sure you could just see his eyes dead on and i get that it's an artistic choice right but um i don't know why but when i read this i was like but he said you're not supposed to see his eyes and Maybe this is the first time it's ever jumped out to me.
1: They also kind of do this thing in Vigilantes where they kind of make his power more powerful. Like in this scene, he seems to be silencing or erasing the quirks of two of the Anon villains at the same time because they both blow up at the same time, assumedly because he stops canceling their quirk. Uh, But, you know, it's it's kind of inconsistent. Like, I feel like several times we've seen him cancel multiple quirks at once in this series. In the main series, we know that's not something that happens. In regards to his eyeglasses or his goggles, it just dawned on me, I'm really surprised that he doesn't have goggles that either, A, force his eyes to stay open, like as a last-ditch effort, or B, like constantly hydrate his eyes somehow, that way he can leave them open without, you know, the need to blink. That would make so much sense.
0: (laughs) Or just have goggles that are like, have that mirror reflective outside, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, you don't have to have holes Just, I don't know. There, there there's lots of things that they could do with his goggles. He's still awesome. And he, he is in like USJ shape. He's in his badass USJ shape in these two chapters, because he, like you explained, uh, suppresses the, these two quirks long enough to kick them back, uh, so that they explode at a safer distance. And then he, uh, is they, all these Anons start rushing in and Koichi's freaking out. He's like, it's a whole army of them. And Aizawa just says, not an issue. And he says it, In my head, it's deadpan. It's just like, dude, it's business as usual. And so he tells Koichi, he actually calls him Crawler, of course. He's like, Crawler, you make your escape, get back to the hospital. And Aizawa's explanation is like, you know, Koichi's like, are you going to be okay? And Aizawa's like, listen, I, I'm a school teacher now, and I work with all these kids, and they're a bunch of snot-nosed kids, lacking even the bare minimum of experience and resolve. And so, like, they run around getting themselves hurt, starving, uh, starting fights over nothing. I can't, I can't take my eyes off of them for a second, he says. And he says, compared to that, fighting a pack of villains is a piece of cake. All I've got to do is pound them till they stop moving. Which makes it sound like Aizawa is, uh, you know, in the street beat uh, as a way of, like, cathartic <laughs> therapy. Yeah. He's just like, I want to beat these students, but I can't. Also, one of the students is Torterra, I'm pretty sure. Yeah,
1: like there's a little panel of all the students and there's even one in the background that kind of looks like Kirby, like over to the right. Like some of the students yeah, in this yeah. class are, are gifted is, the, is what I'm going to say. Like they've got some very interesting quirks.
0: Yeah, one dude's a minor and he seems to be erupting <laughs> out of the ground on the yeah. bottom left.
1: <laughs> and then the guy in the middle just kind of looks like Mirio. Like he's, he just he looks does. like Mirio. And I think there's even like a dragon or a giraffe kind of person. Back behind the Pokemon, very yeah. interesting class, that's for
0: sure. Man, that's one thing that, that this uh, franchise could do forever. It's just, oh, there's this new class, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, they could That would be fun.
1: My Hero could theoretically, well, I, I don't want to say theoretically go on forever, because there is this singularity they keep talking about, where like a power is going to be so, or a quirk is going to be so powerful that it just destroys the world, uh, which I could see. I think that's coming down the line pretty quick, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I just remember us being excited when we got to meet some of the folks from Shiketsu, and oh, we got yeah. to be uh, spend a little bit more time, maybe too much, with Class One B. And uh, what was the other school uh, that that was big at the uh, at the games? It was Shiketsu. What was the other one with the?
1: Oh, because uh, the Joker Sh- lady was uh, their their teacher. Because Shiketsu yeah. Shiketsu was the one they all had the uniforms, and that's what uh, Kami is from, and the guy yeah. that controls the wind, who's really cool.
0: Yeah, I feel like there was one other big, big name school. Yeah, but there is. I'm, but I'm not remembering. Yeah, it's 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 passing me by.
1: Uh, but regardless, look, let's go back into this. So the the villains are, are just rushing Aizawa. He's totally ready to take them all out, and uh, he, he's telling Crawler, like, go get out of here. Like, you know, you need to tell Sukouachi we're up against bomber villains. A lot of them have infiltrated the town. We don't know how many, but there are plans underway to resolve the situation. Now get out of here. And our last panel is Koichi taking off, and then. We pick right back up in 101, basically with this exact same panel. Like They kind of redraw it a little bit, um, and it's got him leaving with, with Aizawa telling him, like, hey, get to the hospital. You got to get out of here. And as he's running away, he's actually confronted by two or three more of these anonymous villains. And he's like, hey, are you going to be okay on your own? Because you've got a lot more company coming. And Aizawa's just just, like, like you said, in that badass mode where he's like, I said go. Get out of here. And Koichi hops up onto the back of this building and uses his powers to slide up the, the top. It's, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, man. I, I always liked Aizawa as a character, um, but when USJ rolled around, that was when I was like, Aizawa is my favorite. That standoff that he did, even this is similar even to the conversation that Deku had, where Deku's trying to tell Aizawa what, like, second-guessing him, right? And that's exactly what Koichi's doing here. He's like, are you sure you don't need me to help? And Deku was like, well, your quirk is better suited to like more stealthy and one-on-one applications. And I was always like, boys, you know, (laughs) (laughs) hold my beer, you know, take. Sit there and take notes, man. Yeah. I think the way that he said it in the USJ was something like, you know, a hero can't be like, can't have just one trick up their sleeves yeah, or can't just pony. be this one trick pony. Yeah. Um, and man, that that scene where he was just standing hard by himself in the middle of all those, and they were scrubs, but still there was a bunch <laughs> of them. Uh, that cemented, that might have been the origin of Beizawa, the phrase, actually. Just him being my favorite character by leaps and Bounds. That was the moment. And we get to see it basically again here.
1: Yeah, I like what he says, because he says a real hero doesn't need concern from a rank amateur. Besides, this isn't where you need to be right now. Kind of echoing something that I think Koichi said maybe three or four chapters about how like, hey, I'm at the hospital. This is where I need to be right now. So I thought that was a a really kind of good book into that. Uh, But we see him agree. He decides he's going to take off. So he slides straight up the building. And then, like, out of nowhere, he, you know, performs this awesome maneuver where he just, like, propels himself. It's, I think you described it as, like, Iron Man jet boots. And that's exactly what this looks like. It's so cool. And he's flying over the city. And I had a thought here. So all these anonymous villains are pretty well dressed. Like, each of them look dressed uniquely. So either one of two things had to happen in my headcanon. Either Six took them shopping, like to the mall, where he shopped with them as like children, which is hilarious in my mind, or they all just beat up a bunch of people and stole their clothes and like left them naked in the alleys. And so as Koichi's flying over, he's going to be seeing like incapacitated naked civilians in each of the alleys.
0: I mean, ca- technically Six could have gone shopping without them. Uh, I guess, you know, but I don't like that idea. Us- I know, it's way more comical the way that you describe it, for sure. Walking into a store with a bunch of anonymous things that already look like they're clothed, but I guess aren't, uh, and then just nonchalantly being like, hey, we need uh, 20 uh, trench coats. You got 20 (laughs) trench coats? Like, you took them to Old Navy (laughs)
1: or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't like the idea that he, like, Amazoned all this, and they just arrived in two days or or sooner, you know, but... The idea of them going on like a mall trip, I need that, like slice of life of six. What is it like having all of these guys around, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great. Oh, I mean, I get, would, they bat, would they really bat And uh, too many eyes, draw too much attention, even if they walked into a store as they were, unless they acted like villains? I, I mean,
1: in a quirk world like this, wouldn't that be kind of weird to be like, oh, wow, you guys look strange? Yeah, well, what about the giraffe next door, buddy? I right, mean, like, right. it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they did that.
0: It's true, they could have had a totally chill day and not even turned a single head at the at the mall. It still would have been a strange trip, it really and I would have been. Maybe it's in one of the light novellas that I'm never going to read. Oh, uh,
1: maybe that's in the Smash volumes. I could see that being a Smash comic. Uh, yeah, Vigilantes hasn't been in Smash, but they should. Well, we've only read like the first two volumes, so maybe they're in the later volumes.
0: That. That's a possibility. I don't think that they are. If they Now, if they did Vigilante smash, I'm in.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I could see that being a block. Like, to some extent, some of the Vigilante's chapters are almost like Smash volumes. Smash like, chapters. I mean, yeah, really, they, when, they really are. When that train villain was was rushing them down, I was like, this has got to be a joke.
0: Yeah. Well, we get back to Aizawa, and he, he says this. It's great. Tomek and I had a discussion about this in the Discord the other day. He says, wherever I go, I can't escape having to hold some kid's hand and what Tomek and I got to discussing was like yeah he he is holding Koichi's hand in the sense that he really had to push Koichi away to go towards the hospital where he needed to be even according to Aizawa but he's also simultaneously not at all holding Koichi's hand because he's sending him by himself through and into a city uh, that he knows is hostile territory towards its epicenter the hospital um where where all of the bad guys are kind of converging. I don't remember if they know that, but he's he's releasing Koichi on his own cognizance, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's not hand-holding at all. Hand-holding would be like, go stand in that alley until I finish this, and then we will go together to the hospital, and I will deliver you to Tsukauchi or whatever. But uh, that's not what Aizawa does. So he, yes, he is a little bit, um, but it wasn't hand-holding so much as like being really forceful Um, when Koichi was being a little second-guessy.
1: Well, and I really like the way that they draw this, too, because he says that he hates it because it's so damn irrational, but really the way that they've got him drawn, he looks so proud of Koichi. Like, he knows he can send him off on his own like this, and he'll be fine. He's not worried about Koichi. He's come so far since he ran into this kind of, like, punk vigilante that could
0: barely control his powers. Yeah, and I love, too, that he he kind of becomes aware of himself again standing here in the, as the dust clears in this alleyway and he's like oh sorry now addressing the uh, the anonymous he's like i was just talking to myself i don't hate you guys at all so come on bring it all at once is fine and i love this pose and panel where he's just he's got his uh his pointer finger erect where he's basically you know he's wagging it yeah. like drawing them in i love that yeah. it would have been funnier if it was a middle finger like if somebody was really good at photoshop this this figure with the middle, this uh, panel with the middle finger up would make me laugh super hard. Oh, yeah. This would be a good one for sure.
1: <laughs> well, we're, we're treated over to Koichi, who is, like I said, flying through the air at this point, and he's actually remembering that at one point in time, he could only do two mid mid-air jumps in a row. If he, if he tried to go for a third one, it would mean that he was going to fall and get hurt. Two is his limit. It doesn't matter how hard he tries. But with where he's at right now, like we get this... Sh- Quick scene of like the the propulsion jet coming out of his shoes, like kind of fading and like almost flickering out. But then he's able to to resummon it and blast off like a crazy distance. And he's thinking, you know, the place I'm heading now is where I'm meant to be. All my focus is directed towards that and getting there, not what my feet are doing. And this is kind of a weird scene because they do something that you hate, but they also do something that you love because they they kind of give this like. Hey, look, he's leveled up. He's doing more jumps in the air while also telling you and showing you that at one point in time he couldn't. But they're also focusing on Pop and that being the reason that he's headed to where he's at. And it's kind of grounding because it reminds us of, of what is going down. Like, oh, yeah, Pop is this person that they're protecting and, and she's the reason for everything that's happening right now. So it's, yeah, it's really so- cool.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of show, a little bit of tell, and the show here in this case isn't super necessary because, like, if you're reading this deep into uh, Vigilantes, you know that Pop is that motivation. But that doesn't, in my opinion, diminish the fact that there's this panel in the middle of this page where she is kind of spotlit, um, and it's and it's her as uh, you know kind of Koichi's remembering her her best version like she's got both of her eyes this isn't like post uh, queen b-pop um it's the pop of Koichi's mind not that he's gonna think any anything less if he finds out she's got the giant cavity in her head or whatever <laughs> but um it's just that there's this Id- it's like this ideal pop you well know? it's something um, that I
1: hadn't considered even the last time we recorded this it's not pop in her pop step get up it's right the individual and her name is escaping me right now but but it's it's that person. It's not really even the vigilante pop.
0: Correct. Yeah, that's a good that's I mean, yeah, it's a great it's the thing. We're both looking at the same picture and we both realize this thing, but saying it makes it matter. More right. Somehow, right. you know, <laughs> well, and then we're
1: treated to an awesome two page panel where he's like, how many mid air jumps was that? I don't know. I lost count. And it, like, he doesn't care. It's not about keeping count in this instance. It's about getting where he needs to be right now. And uh, as he's he's spotting the hospital, the, he's seeing explosions happen at the, the entrance where the police officers are, and he's like, "Oh, crap, what's going on here?" And then he's flagged down by Soga, who has a flashlight. he's like kind of flashing it at Koichi, so he he flies down to to meet up with Soga, and it's pretty crazy because he's like, "Hey, did you see that? Like I got to get down there and help." And Soga says, "Yeah, they're finally making their move. I hope you've made your peace because this is do or die and it's it's like him really... Saying, like, this is it, man. Like, this is your last opportunity.
0: Right. I mean, this is the culmination of what we believe will be the entirety of the Vigilante storylines coming together. It's giant convergence time. Uh, Sogo's aware of that, not on a literary scale, but on a stakes scale. That for Koichi's sake, if he gets involved, there is a chance, and it might even be a good one, uh, that he ends up losing his life in the pursuit of preserving pops, um, and, and, and interjecting himself into this situation. Um, and you know, it's not shown, it's not even said really in this chapter, um, what Koichi's response is. We know what it's, what it is. He's, he's in like, it's not like he's going to sit this out by, there's no way. Yeah. No doubt in his mind.
1: Um, Like he's here to do what he needs to do.
0: Yeah, it's a foregone conclusion. Koichi's Koichi's going to rush in and, and do all that he can because that's what he's always done. Whether it was picking up cans on the street or stepping up to legitimate supervillains, um, he's always done all that he could. Always, or even
1: stepping up against superheroes. I mean, he faced down Endeavor.
0: Yeah, Not that's too many true. folks
1: can say that they like got in Endeavor's way and survived.
0: Well, he did kind of scurry away from him as soon as he could. <laughs> well, I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel you. Uh, But yeah, he it's not like he stood toe-to-toe to Endeavor. He got the heck out of that man's way and stayed out of his way. Uh, but he did move towards him with six in toe, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's pretty nuts. Like, Koichi's got a lot of bravery behind him, and that's not something I think is very... Like, it's obvious when you say it, but if you're reading these chapters, you don't just think, like, wow, Koichi, what a brave character. You know what I mean? Right. Well, we're right. we're treated to the entrance of the hospital where the officers are like, Hey, stuff is going down. Things are crazy. Like there are suicide bombers out here. They're blowing up using their quirks. And, you know, wrapped is is in the background like, "What are you guys doing? You guys you got to get away from this." Like, what did I tell you? This is totally nuts. Why are you guys up here? And so like him and, and Moryu are out there trying to pull in the cops and the officers and they actually even grab Sukaguchi and they're trying to bring him into the hospital and we're treated to this this image of Six and all of his an- anonymous villains like approaching the hospital, ready to make their final move, uh, and it's great because Rapt is like, "What the heck can we do against monsters like that?" and and he says, "You know, I I'm saying Soga and Koichi will figure this out. Like, we're going to leave it up to the pros." And it's it's really cool to see that, like, in Rapt's eyes, those two are the pros. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, he feels like uh, their roles. Uh, Moyoru and Raps have, they've been exhausted. They've done all that they're going to do. Uh, and I mean, I would think that Moyoru could actually intervene in a meaningful way. We don't know that Rap can do all that much, but Moyoru can produce a bunch of fire. Like he might be able to,
1: you know, on, on trigger maybe, but I don't think he's like a veteran quirk user. You know, he doesn't seem like someone that sits at home and practices his quirk. Yeah, that's fair. It seems that's like fair. the only flame he can really conjure is that little like
0: head flame. Charlie Brown yeah, hair. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty mm-hmm.
1: cool. I mean, I'm bald. If I could project flame out of my head, I would.
0: Yeah, would you? Absolutely. freaking Is that even a question? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would produce way more problems for you than it would solve. I don't care. It looks cool. <laughs> it's all
1: about the looks, <laughs> Do man. We- When you're bald, all you want is hair. It doesn't matter if it's flame hair and happens to just burn down your house and things like that. I mean, it's irrelevant.
0: Yeah, you you would have to change so much about everything in your life if you had even that little sprig of flame hair that Moiru does. You're right.
1: But when you're bald, it's not the kinds of things you think about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you just (laughs) want that one one piece of hair. Just that one.
1: But this actually brings us to the end of chapter 101. Uh, I got to say, man, I'm stoked like 102 and 103 can't come soon enough. I, I think we're really starting to and I've said this probably every episode for the last like five or six, but things are really heating up like this really does feel like it's coming down to the wire. Things are, are about to really blow up and I can't wait to see what six has planned.
0: I can't wait to scroll back up in the Discord, uh, you know, three months from now when we're current with Vigilantes and see what it is that Tomac and Busta and Omega were, uh, was Omega in that conversation? A couple of them were definitely speaking in spoilers about uh, Vigilantes yeah. stuff. And um, I grow envious of them when they do that um, because I'm like, oh, I want to talk, but I can't, <laughs> they, they're they really good about saying it's this is going to be spoilers for whatever this thing is so that I don't accidentally click on it. because. My stupid assumptive behind is more than once been like, what could possibly be a spoiler for me? I'm the host and click on it and then be like, oh,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've uh, I've accidentally handful of times done that myself. And I've had one or two really big things spoiled for me that have not I've actually not had any vigilantes spoiled for me. The main series, on the other hand, I've had like two big things spoiled for me that I and now and sitting here like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? You know, so that's that's a that's a never a good feeling to
0: have. Was it Twitter? No, it
1: wasn't. It was actually, I was reading about uh, the trivia for a couple of characters, Um, because we were looking up their names. Because, you know, in the trivia section on the wikis, it always has interesting thing about the kanjis that make up their names. In a few characters, it has a lot more than that, let me tell (laughs) you. Right, right. So be careful on the wikis.
0: All right. So in two weeks time, we will cover the next two chapters, episodes 102, and 103, but we thought that we would wrap down tonight in a similar way that we wrapped up Kyo Cinema this past week. If you are like, what in the world is Kyo Cinema? It is another podcast uh, that Adam and I are doing together where we are watching all of the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super movies in their release order, uh, and that's been super fun. We're about 11 movies deep, I think, right now. We're Um, about
1: to do Cooler's Revenge,
0: or Return of Cooler.
1: I don't, it's something like that.
0: Yeah, it's the return of Cooler. Yeah, this The one. first
1: one's Cooler's Revenge, isn't it?
0: I think so, yeah. yeah. Or the Revenge of Cooler. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, whatever. We're watching when,
1: the second Cooler movie.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, it's movie number seven, I think, but we've also covered a handful. It's Dragon Ball Z movie number seven, I should say, but we've also covered Dragon Ball movies and a couple of live action movies that are just bonkers and need to be watched at least once, especially the first one, Uh, the Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku. 100% need, needs to be seen. But uh, we ended up uh, talking about a uh, what, what I guess you would call a nerdcore artist uh, that I stumbled across on YouTube. I think somebody in a Discord that I'm in shot me a music video of his, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. I heard him say it at the end of the video, and I must have replayed it about 10 times because it just doesn't sound right to my ears. But it's spelled F A B V L, and I believe he pronounces it Fable. Um, and he is, he's got a presence on uh, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter. He even has a Patreon. So if you find his stuff and you super dig it, uh, then you can contribute towards uh, his, his efforts. And they're really good. And we bring this up in Kyo Cinema and the AMP because he has an entire 51-song-strong anime list of, of raps uh, that he has performed. And that covers a ton of franchises. My Hero, obviously. Dragon Ball Z, obviously. Uh, but Seven Deadly Sins, Black uh, Clover, Demon Slayer, Attack on Titan, uh, a dozen probably franchises that he's got several epi- or several songs uh, representing characters or even entire sides. So, like, you know, you might get like a rap song for that features a bunch of the good guys and then one that features a bunch of the bad guys. It's really neat.
1: It is really cool. And he actually does a lot more outside of anime as well. If you like video games, he had all kinds of video game raps. So the guy has a lot of amazing content out there, absolutely worth checking out. I got to say I really enjoyed. They had one that was called like The Shonen Cipher or something like that, and it was a bunch of the Shonen Jump characters, but my favorite one from that was the Deku piece. Like it was just really good. And you know, he had one that was for All Might that I really enjoyed and I there was one for Dobby that I thought was pretty spot on. Like one of the cool things about this guy is that he's put so much time and thought into the lyrics of the songs that when my wife was listening and not even watching them, she could guess which characters the songs were about. Like every song is so relevant. It's so cool. What were some of your favorites? um,
0: I liked, you mentioned the Dobby rap. I didn't like that particular song, but there was this one that was on the league of villains. And I'm pretty sure that Fabeful did the bit on Dobby in that. And that was really good. Um, In fact, I liked the Saiyan Cipher uh, when we were talking about Kaio Cinema, where he has just a ton of uh, guest uh, musicians come in, and they each are assigned a character and given like 30 seconds, go. And, and they, uh, they spit some serious fire, and uh, the way that e- each brings kind of a, a unique twist to the way that they write their lyrics, and even uh, the way that they present them is really neat. Uh, but with the My Hero stuff, I liked the kind of the beat a lot the hook of the Depu, Deku rap song, which was called "A Hundred Percent of Me," it almost has this like choral hook to it, you know, where it's like like a backup chorus or like a vic, uh, like a like a church choir kind of the sound thing going on to it. I don't know what the term for that is, uh, but it sounds awesome. It reminded me of this band that uh, me and my buddy Kyle used to listen to a lot in high school called Two Steps from Hell, which was like this orchestral rock. Uh, And that's what Faithful does, is he does rap, and it also at times sounds like progressive rock, but as far as lyrics is concerned, maybe my favorite song from the My Hero stuff was uh, the Mirio song, which was called Invincible and Free. He absolutely slayed the lyrics for that song. I, I listened to it like two or three times before we started recording tonight as well. Yeah, they've got some incredible songs, so
1: go check it out. It's definitely worth a listen. There are enough there that you will have plenty of music to listen to for several days.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll drop a link uh, to his YouTube channel uh, in the show notes for the AMP uh, so that you have a one one click and you're you're at least able to listen to that stuff. And of course, if you like it, uh, support him officially through uh, purchasing his songs for iTunes or uh, giving him couple bucks on Patreon if that's something that you feel motivated to do.
1: Absolutely. And while we do not have a Patreon, you can always leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes or follow us on Twitter, hop in our Discord. Just come by and say hi. It really encourages us to keep doing this. And as we mentioned at the beginning of our episode, the listeners are one of the reasons we keep doing this, really. I mean, without you guys, it would feel a little empty. I mean, we, we would still do it. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, it's nice knowing that people are out there enjoying this content with us I uh, really feel like we've met some great folks along the way so that would really help us out and we would really appreciate it but otherwise I think we'll see everybody in a week for Kyle Cinema and two weeks for AMP.
0: Sounds good to me See you guys.